Transforming Society podcast is brought to you by Bristol University Press and Policy Press. In episodes covering a wide range of social issues, we speak to authors and editors about their books and journals to get to grips with the story their research tells and look at the specific ways in which it could transform society for the better. How can we reimagine society in an era of climate change, pandemic, hunger, poverty, questions of racial, ethnic and gender justice, and other pressing global societal challenges? Significant threats and dangers lie ahead of us, but so do opportunities as new ways of being, thinking and doing emerge. My name's Jess Miles, and today I'm speaking to Sue Scott from Newcastle University in the UK and Siddharth Malavarapur from Shivnadar University in India two of the co-editors-in-chief of the new non-profit Open Access Global Social Challenges Journal, published by Bristol University Press and available for free on Bristol University Press Digital. Just launched, the journal aims to facilitate thinking about opportunities for addressing the global social challenges by providing a space for discussion and new ideas across a range of themes in different academic disciplines. Hi, Sue and Siddharth. Hi. Thank you for speaking to me today. Um, so congratulations on the launch of the Global Social Challenges Journal. Feels very exciting to have got to this point after all the work that's gone into it. So I mentioned in the intro that the mission of the journal is to address global social challenges and break down academic silos. I believe this is the first journal like this to be based in the social sciences while also engaging with research from humanities, arts and STEM. So please, can you tell us about the mission, why the interdisciplinary focus is needed, and how you hope the journal will achieve this? Yeah. Thank you, Jess, uh, at the outset for having this conversation. Uh, uh, I think interdisciplinarity is a very central credo of the journal. Um, we've all heard of the word interdisciplinarity, but I think it's important uh, to highlight the fact that uh, we believe that it is important to address many of the questions we contend with from a diversity of perspectives. Uh, and when I say a diversity of perspectives, I mean diversity in terms of disciplines, diversity theoretically, uh, diversity empirically, and diversity also in terms of method. Um, and of course, I think central to all of this is also recognition of the fact uh, that we consciously acknowledge uh, that we would like to participate in a broader politics of knowledge which allows people from very diverse locations in the world, historic, geographic, cultural, political, and economic, to also participate um, in terms of thinking about plausible responses to the questions that interest uh, a wide variety of readers. Uh, so I think uh, interdisciplinarity is fairly important uh, and fairly central uh, in terms of this acknowledgement at the outset. Uh, it's not very hard to recognize that we live in a very complex world and that there are no easy answers uh, to the questions we're faced with, uh, whether these are global governance challenges, uh, whether these uh, are concerned with the more enduring tropes we can think of in terms of how politics is shaped, how societies and cultures, uh, in a sense, uh, organize themselves. Uh, I think we need to think about ways in which uh, we can draw on a very wide variety of intellectual traditions and inheritances uh, in terms of responding to these questions. Uh, I would also, um, in this context, want to draw attention to one of our editors-in-chief, Julie Thompson-Klein, who also has a fascinating book titled Beyond Interdisciplinarity, which was just published uh, in 2021 uh, by Oxford University Press. 
um, and where she argues that interdisciplinarity is critical and important, but there's also a possibility for us to think about going beyond it at some plane uh, by, uh, by recognizing that it may also have some limits and it's important uh, to find ways in which we can conceptualize um, and contextualize uh, the, the sort of uh, complex world we live in. Uh, so I think interdisciplinarity is at one plane a fairly important uh, endeavor, but there's scope to also build on interdisciplinarity, which we all recognize. Uh, and if you use terms um, as Julie Thompson Klein uh, conveys in her book, uh, terms like cross-disciplinarity, it conveys both interdisciplinarity, but it also conveys transdisciplinarity, uh, which is premised much more, I understand, on a unity of knowledge, understanding or frame. Uh, so I think there are different ways in which we can uh, think about uh, how the journal can contribute uh, to helping us think about complex questions in more interesting ways, but also more productive ways uh, while responding to, to, the, to the complexities of our times. Thank you. That's really interesting. So it's, it's addressing these massive, massive issues, but also looking at like new ways of working as well and new ways of doing research. Uh, okay. So could I, could I add a little bit to please, that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with and support everything Siddharth said. But just, just to just to add, I guess that um, both institutionally within higher education institutions and funding bodies, in, into dis, into trans cross disciplinarity is you know is very much kind of what's what's been expected and encouraged. But it it, it it's often in, in in a way that as if it, as if it'll just happen by magic, whereas it, it's actually extremely challenging in many ways you know mm. we've been siloed in our disciplines for you know hundreds of years in some in some cases and for some of us it just feels like hundreds of years um so it, it it's really also about creating a space where people can take risks in relation to exploring interdisciplinary work it's not that we have the magic dust to sprinkle but we you know we can we can offer that kind of space and i think it's also important that we're doing that from a from a social science sort of jumping off point in a way so from an interdisciplinary social science jumping off point but which encourages um you know it, it that relationships with the humanities and particularly i don't mean particularly with stem but particularly with stem in the sense that the social sciences have often been the, the, the you know the added support the kind yeah. of extra in relation to stem so we want to create much more equal interactions between and across um, and within disciplines. So, so what was it like developing the journal over the course of the pandemic? Because it's been over the last couple of years that it's been coming together. Were there ways in which the fact everyone was working from home, um, was it beneficial? And can you tell us a bit about how the editorial team were brought together? Yeah, just the excuse me the, the 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 first the first bit of the question first really uh, uh, I I guess um, I think that um, you know you would you would need to to ask the the key folk in Bristol University Press exactly how they select selected the editors in chief um, I I think I got the tap on the shoulder because I've done quite a lot of other things with the press yeah. over the years and I think that that applies to other people as well the importance was um yeah who obviously in terms of our skills and attributes but also getting the right kind of of global spread you know that that incredible juggle across dis disciplinary 
interdisciplinary areas across the globe dealing with gender you know a whole a whole set of issues and i think um i think um folk at the press have done a pretty good job um of of, of bringing uh, a team of editors in chief together in relation to the associate editors of which i think i think there are 16 at the moment and we're aiming for 20. Mm-hmm. um we've we've each of the editors in chief have had some hand in suggesting people in in our fields or related fields that uh, who who we think might might work well in this context. So we have a a complex matrix mm-hmm. of associate editors. So they they each of them will work more directly with one of us, but will will also work across all of the themes. So and then in in relation to your first question, um, the short answer would be. It didn't make very much difference at all right. working in a, in a pandemic. I guess I guess it made the whole thing feel more, more normal in a way. But because we're so spread uh, across the globe, there, there there is really no way we we could meet face to face. So you would um, have done it this way anyway. Yeah, yeah. And we struggle to to be within a time zone that means we can meet on Zoom without somebody being at the crack of dawn. Yeah, uh, or some somebody being very late uh, at night, so we're we're kind of managing that. But I guess we've all been managing those things much more. So it it's just felt more normal. Mm. I, I I don't know. We've we've had jokes about where we would have to go in order to be able to meet face to face. But um, even is there a perfect location? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think David Simon said Abu Dhabi, but okay. I'm not sure <laughs> we're we're going to do that. I think we're you know we're likely to meet. In, in twos and threes, perhaps in different yeah. contexts. So, I mean, even in the UK, you know, David and I have never actually met face to face. I guess if it hadn't been for COVID, we might have done. And maybe it's better that we haven't yet in terms of equalising uh, the, the team in this in this context. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Thank you. So, Can I just add a line to that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was a, a silver lining on a very dark cloud during the pandemic, uh, partly because also I think we've seen uh, an enhancement of online platforms. Uh, mm. And that really, uh, I think the technology in a sense has improved over time uh, and the possibility for having these conversations uh, yes. you know, in real time um, has certainly uh, far more uh, improved. So I think that really provided us uh, an opportunity also to make use of these platforms in a manner which allowed for all of this. Thank you. I feel like um, the online technologies create more of a level playing field as well and that if more people have access to the conversations and more people can participate. So kind of going forward, it seems like it's been a good change in that sense. We've, all, we've also had, had meetings with our associate editors and um, the last time we did that, we split into two groups in order to deal with time uh, time differences and I think that you know while it's a shame we can't all meet in some ways you, yeah. you're right it is it is an, an, an equalizer and you know has meant we're getting used to the possibility of, of perhaps working in smaller groups on zoom at different different points yeah. mm. Mm. Um, the journal it's clearly quite a new space where people can publish but how can one journal how can it engage with just the vast scale of global social challenges. So there are 16 theme sections in the journal um, and they include climate change, energy and sustainability, democracy, power and governments, 
poverty, inequality and social justice, and then on to things like technology, data and society. How will the journal embrace this breadth? Okay, um, I think there's a clear recognition that breadth is important uh, in terms of having really wide canvas. The moment we're talking about global, uh, the moment we're talking about social challenges, which we are faced with, the moment we're talking about a critical humanities, a critical social sciences, uh, a critical notion of interdisciplinarity, uh, we, we had to, in a sense, uh, envisage uh, that this breadth question was going to be really very important for us. But I think there's also a very conscious recognition that breadth doesn't come at the expense of depth, mm. uh, of rigor, uh, of quality, of fine thinking around those questions, uh, drawing from, again, as I said, very diverse uh, inheritances. Uh, I think there's a clear recognition of that. And I think the idea here is also not to focus purely on topical issues which have an immediate shelf life, but to ask more enduring questions, which we are all in a sense inclined to, to think about uh, in the social sciences, in the humanities, perhaps in the STEM. Uh, and I think that's important uh, as well. So just to, uh, you know, maybe not really run through, but flag a couple of these questions, you know, for instance, um, the weight of the past and the present uh, is a question which concerns um, everyone, you know, so the world is not a tabula rasa. Uh, we're here because there's been a certain set of developments, historical and otherwise, which have brought us to this point, uh, to think about what it might mean to decolonize knowledge systems, uh, to think about categories of race, caste, class, uh, and nation afresh. Uh, I think in terms of what we are faced with in the 21st century, uh, to think about the status of multilateralism um, and what that means uh, when it comes to thinking about the wider international sphere, uh, to think about democratic deficits which characterize uh, international institutions, uh, to also ask the larger and broader questions about capitalism and about imperial formations uh, in the 21st century. So, and war and, peace, war and peace questions and the normative accents, which in a sense frame those questions, I, I think are all very central in some ways to think about. Uh, so I think these enduring questions really are questions which we will be also looking at even when we, uh, you know, uh, in a sense, uh, pass through more contemporary contributions, uh, because it would be interesting to see that some of these contributions really have uh, a shelf life which goes beyond uh, the next Friday or the week after. Yeah. Uh, and that I think is critical. Absolutely. And that, that, that whole question of continuity and change is absolutely crucial. I think it's really important that we're not seen as the Journal of the United Nations <laughs> Global Social Challenges in, in a way. I mean, okay. those, those themes, those themes and issues are a kind of back, backdrop. But what we're, what we're fully expecting is, is rigorous critical interrogation of those themes and the way that they interact can develop, you know, and, and, and other, other themes and issues emerge. I think it's really, it's really important. So they're not, they're not structuring the journal. They're, they're the kind of backdrop to, um, or a springboard, if you like, a starting point for, for engagement yeah. and a conversation. Okay, that makes sense. In fact, um, you've outlined those questions really nicely in the editorial um, for the journal. So we'll put a link, we'll put a link with this podcast so people can go and have a look at those. So speaking of the UN, I did want to ask you about how these themes in the journals kind of link with the UN sustainable goals. Um, you said before they're kind of, they're related, but not constrained by. Mm -hmm. um, 
Can you explain the relationship between the two? I think really, you know, just to emphasise what I said, it's a, it's a springboard. It's a starting off point. OK, that's that's kind of what we have um, uh, as, as, a, as, as, as that backdrop. But to you know, go back to what Siddharth said, you know, they've emerged in a particular uh, social and political and policy context. And as academics encouraging academics and policy workers, policy makers and practitioners to to come together, we 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 want those to be interrogated mm. and to you know to be thought about critically. You know why 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 these why now? You know could they could they be constructed differently? Right. You know, the, the 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 prior priorities are shifting all the time. You know when these were written. The, the, the war in the war in Ukraine was not anticipated. That shifts the balance in 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 some sort of ways. So I think it it's 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 in it's in movement. It, it's it's a kind of uh, it's not a it's not a fixed um, backdrop to the journal at all. But as right. I said, it, there's something to have a conversation with. And actually, those goals they're kind of goals for 2030 aren't they which isn't that far away so we need to be having this conversation about them and how you and, go and what, forward after what next that. and what, uh, yeah. next, what the priorities would be for 2050 etc etc yeah. yeah yeah but it's also not that you know we're not expecting uh, contributions to the journal to be able to answer all of these questions I mean it you know sometimes it might it might be possible to come up with um, with 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 strategies and 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 uh, and policy routes, but you know, in terms of academic critique, that's not really our job. Mm. You know, our job is to is to think critically about how these things emerge and how they might develop in the future, and to encourage others to kind of pick that up and run with it. If yeah, you like. yeah. So the journal it will publish two types of articles. There's research art- articles and interventions. And then the interventions cover policy and practice, provocations and debates. But I feel like this intervention section is really interesting. Um, can you tell us a bit about it and how it's going to work? Oh, OK. Well, in- interventions is the umbrella Yeah. All for all of those things. But first, just just a couple of words about the, the, re- the research aspect, because it is it is really important that the journal finds its place. As a, as a home for high quality academic research. So it's not, you know, it's, it, it's not that the other things aren't important, but if we don't do that, then, then everything else falls in a way, in a world okay. where there's, you know, such a lot of chatter in the, in the context of open access journals, particularly. Mm. So we do want to encourage the highest quality academic research, but we also want to encourage different kinds of interventions and yeah it's it it's it is an it is an important term so in relation to the the policy and practice ones that's really about wanting to have engagement with people who are actually working to develop policy and also working on the front line of some of these key issues Mm. either writing with academics or with each other or whatever um probably shorter shorter pieces um about about maybe you know maybe how academic research translates into those contexts maybe a criticism of why it doesn't but also what it what it's like actually developing policy and practice in these in these fields in relation to the uh, the provocations i mean we've got a very wide brief there really they 
they could come from a whole range of sources. And that's, that's about, you know, opening up possibilities, flying kites, if you like, okay. blue skies thinking both in the academic sense, but also in the policy and practice sense. So I don't think we've got a really very fixed view. We're creating a space um, yeah. for those sorts of things. Uh, debates, I think debates could take a number of forms. So debates could be, you know, an author or author's um, actually raising a number of different positions in relation to a question or a field. So the debate is within the piece. They 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 could be um, authors or auth authors having a debate with each other with it within one piece, or they could be creating debates on on the basis of other pieces that have been in the journal previously or something that's going on you know elsewhere they can they can take quite a wide number of of forms we think and we hope they will it really gives lots of different avenues for thinking doesn't it thinking in different types of ways about these things and from so many different types of people i i think also you know we've we've certainly in the uk context but certainly elsewhere globally as well being mm. challenged as academics to talk about how our work has impact in a wider context. And while we don't want all of this work to be coming from academics, we do want to encourage academics to write in ways that are not just the, you know, the standard journal articles. Right, yeah. Think about how to have those conversations with a wider audience, working with other people, etc. Et, et and certainly my experience is that, that, you know, academics have got a lot better at doing that, at writing in different ways. Um, and we just want to make sure that there's a continuing space for them to do exactly that. And presumably these different kinds of formats almost facilitate the interdisciplinary work, don't they? Because if you're not having to write in a very traditional way, it gives you more options for collaboration and things like that, I suppose. And, and also within the context of the different areas of the journal, you know, so somebody might write a provocation and then later actually develop a, a, a fully fledged journal article right, yeah, based of true. research that came out of that. You know, there's, there's. Yeah. I, I suppose what we've what we've said in a hopeful kind of way is that we want to create a community. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, that that word gets used a bit too often in, in in many contexts. But so I think we do want to create a space where where different kinds of different kinds of writing, different kinds of thinking can come together and um and to encourage people to kind of stay with us and, mm. and keep writing over time mm. as well mm. oh it'll be interesting to see how the ideas develop through the journal uh, you mentioned just now the journal is open access brilliantly it's open access which means that it's free to read for anyone um you don't need <clears throat> excuse me a library subscription for listeners unfamiliar with the model this basically means that the publishing is paid for by the author's institution rather than by the reader. And you're genuinely encouraging contributions from across the globe. So how will you be supporting researchers in low and middle income countries who may not have access to this kind of funding to publish? Uh, I think one of the attractions, um, even when I was sort of, uh, you know, uh, 
contributing as an editor-in-chief uh, vis-a-vis this journal was the fact that it was, first of all, open access, uh, as you just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, it allows for more people uh, to participate um, in various forms uh, in, in terms of contributing ideas um, and benefiting from that process. Uh, but more fundamentally, I think there's also um, a BUP of Bristol University Press uh, seems to have a very attractive not-for-profit model, mm. uh, which I critical um, uh, in a sense when one is uh, especially trying to reach out uh, to very, very wide constituencies around the world uh, and try to encourage contributions, uh, particularly for parts of the world which you define here as low and middle income countries. Um, you could also refer to it um, as um, you know the global south in part. Uh, but I think it's important uh, to think about uh, also the whole issue of what equitable access really means. Uh, when it comes to enabling, um, you know, authors to contribute from these parts of the world. So there's no expectation that these authors uh, contributing from these countries uh, necessarily have to pay any fee yeah. uh, in order for their articles to appear in an open access journal, which is, I think, a wonderful thing because if you, um, you know, most journals do charge a fairly heavy fee if you uh, intend to allow for much wider readership of your article. Uh, so I think you know, global social challenges from that perspective is also charting really, um, I think, fresh uh, and very progressive ground, I would think, mm. uh, in allowing for this, uh, which I think is good. But there also is a possibility of waivers in some cases yeah. uh, when authors are unable to, for uh, you know, a variety of reasons, not be able to pay a fee when they're expected to pay a fee. Uh, so there's a lot of flexibility built into this model, and I think the intent really uh, is a genuinely uh, democratic impulse, uh, which is to have more people contribute uh, from very diverse locations uh, and to really bring to bear uh, you know, their understanding uh, of these questions, which we're all interested in um, from very diverse perspectives. Uh, so I think from, from, from that angle, uh, I think the not-for-profit dimension and the equitable access emphasis uh, is something very tangible as far as the global social challenges journal is concerned. Yes, yeah. Uh, absolutely, and that's certainly key to uh, to my involvement and maybe all our involvement in, in, in the journal. I mean, uh, the, the development of, of open access has shot holes through existing business models. And, you know, I think we, we realise that the, the for-profit presses are charging really, you know, high rates for mm -hmm. APCs. And then alongside that, there's been an opening up, you know, a really broad opening up of, of open access online journals that, you know, that don't necessarily have that sort of publisher support, that don't have the quality support behind them. And, you know, we we all get emails all the time trying to get us to write in in, in online open access journals. And I think it, it is really important for us that we're, you know, we're working with an established publisher with a not-for-profit model and that you know the key the key is um access and quality you know yeah. those things have to go together and the 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 what i mean what's been important is not just the open access but the development of of digital of the digital platform that you know enables yeah. that that access in 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 a way but yeah crucial so that's the development of bristol university press digital which is going yeah, to be the place that you go to to find the journal exactly and our and our commitment to you know mm. encouraging as siddharth said you know people who don't you know don't have don't have funding may not have jobs or may live in bits of the world where 
you know that that funding just isn't available so we have to find a we have to find a good a good balance there otherwise it can't be a journal that really engages with global social challenges yeah yeah it's something that's um just incredibly important to bristol university press i think and but the uh, the other key aspect of that is is that you know working with a press that has really good support for uh, you know ed- editorial support yeah. and proof and copy support which you know a, a, a lot of new journals that are springing up just don't have sadly no no and it, it sorry just to add to that it also you know it's the the, the the whole open access issue has also driven a coach and horses through journal impact factors you know well, yes. all over yeah. the place so we have to have new ways of of, of making it clear that that you know that, that this is a journal of quality and that's that's our challenge really because a new journal you know isn't going to have um an impact factor that you know that no. anybody has any any interest in really we need we need to think about those things differently and i think that's that actually is a much more uh, equal way of doing it yeah absolutely um i think if people have questions about publishing and global social challenges or questions about waivers fees you can find um, contact information um, on bristoluniversitypressdigital.com. Um, I have one more question. Uh, the first articles are now published online, available for anyone to read. We'll put a link to those and the editorial here with this podcast. They set the tone of the journal brilliantly. What's in the pipeline for the future? And what kind of submissions would you both really like to see coming in? So go first, <laughs> I'll follow you. <laughs> okay. Yes, I think um, uh, we're very, very pleased with the launch issue. I think I think we, we did, you know, we worked very hard to ensure that we got the right kind of spread. And I think we, we were also lucky that the people we, you know, we encouraged to write for us, um, I, I think they almost all said yes and, and, wow. and did it in a in a timely in a timely manner. So, you know, that's a that's a magic that can't possibly continue at that level. Well, no, I mean, it says a lot about what you're doing, doesn't it? It's that people well, are wanting wanting to be part of yes, it. Yes, I, yeah. I think that's I think that's right. You know, a bit about our powers of persuasion, but I think also about the, the kind of journal that we're, we're trying yeah. to put together. So that's. You know that's great, and the danger is you know breathing a sigh of relief. You know, kind of oh, done that. You know, and not not it's only the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Only the beginning. So you know, we're now focusing on the pipeline, as you say, and what we what we want is a is a balance of um, issues that that you know that cover a spread of of articles and issues that that are kind of focused on a you know a, 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 a special special issue, special collections, if you like. We're not. We're not really. I mean, the, the launch issue is an issue in the traditional sense of mm. the word. In future, things will come online, you know, as they're as they're yes. available. But we will also put them together annually as issues, and as some of them will be special collections because they've been put forward and commissioned in that way. But we'll be able to put other kinds of collections together in a in a post hoc kind of manner because there are. You know, there are things that over time that speak to a particular theme that can. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's the you know that's one of the the great things about um, about a, a digital platform and the malleability mm. of those sorts of things. I think the challenge for us now is 
is to try to um, in, in, encourage social scientists who are working with you know with STEM colleagues or with colleagues in the humanities to mm. you know to come to us as their as their place of, yes. of choice if if you like. So there's there's quite a lot of work to be done reaching out to potential authors, but you know also I, I'm sure that there'll be a lot of work in social media encouraging people to there will to come be to us. Yeah. yeah. And once once people have read the launch issue, you know, quite confident they'll want to write for us. I am. I absolutely <laughs> think they will. Siddharth, yeah, did you I, Yeah. I sort of entirely endorse what Sue just said, and I think she's put it across so eloquently. Uh, I think it'd be wonderful to have uh, original contributions in all these segments, research articles, interventions, uh, policy and practice, communications and debates. And I don't want to second guess too much uh, you know, what those contributions should look like. I think there's a fair degree of receptivity and openness to it. But mm -hmm. I think uh, you know, uh, Chinua to be the Nigerian author captured it beautifully. And I think that's also my hope for the journal. When he said uh, in his book, Home in Exile in 2000, uh, he said, quote, my hope for the 21st century is that it will see the first fruits of the balance of stories among the world's peoples, yeah. unquote. Uh, so I think that would be wonderful if the journal serves as a vehicle um, to, in a, uh, in a sense, make this possible and real, um, I think it would make a, a serious contribution. Wonderful. I feel like, I hope there'll be people who listen to this um, doing research, you feel excited that there is this new space where they can connect with people and put forward ideas in all these different formats and on all these different themes. I think it's going to be brilliant. The key, um, I mean, the key thing is if people aren't, aren't sure about, you know, what it, what it is we want or really what this space can be, they, they just... They just talk to us, really. Yeah, yeah, and that's the way it's going to develop, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you so much, Sue and Siddharth, for speaking to me today. Um, yeah, it's been brilliant to hear a bit more about the journal. We will put all the links to all the content with this podcast. Um, and if you'd like to have those conversations, find out more about the journal, find out how to submit, please visit um, the brand new Bristol University Press Digital website, which is bristoluniversitypressdigital.com.